0: much just got home from work um
1: got some groceries on my way home so that's really all it's been today yeah <laughs> nice what do you usually get at the at the grocery store
0: i try and go on with a list because if i don't then i just end up buying random stuff but uh this week it's a uh, spaghetti uh, we got i got some chicken it's like a creamy chicken recipe that i'm gonna make with uh some veggie noodles and then um some tacos so yeah
1: nice you like to cook
0: i do i do like cooking it calms me down so it's something i do when i you know need a second to breathe
1: all right good okay i try to
0: um but i'm very i keep
1: it very simple you know like i I try not to do anything crazy or explore too much with the cooking like you know i stay in shallow waters you know yeah, <laughs> regular rice and stuff like that but, but cool yeah so this is uh, I think this is going to be an interesting one right because this is uh, this episode is going to be a little bit different than, than what we've done in the past um, in the podcast but this is where we definitely highlight we're highlighting a high performer um, in the career field and just get to know a little bit about Staff Sergeant Dinegis and I will, you know, kind of go through some of your accomplishments here in a little bit. Um, but this initiative or, or this vision that I had for highlighting people um, in the career field uh, stemmed from, you know, sometimes we get those notifications um, from ONS. And, You know, every year and it says, oh, here's the award winners for the Air Force. And at least me personally, I I still want to know more about those individuals. Like I get the what, right? I get that they probably crushed it. They actually crushed it, right? For that year. But who are those individuals, right? What are their why? What motivates them to do what they do? And this is essentially an attempt to get to know the person behind, you know, all the great accompli- accomplishments and all the great things that, that you're doing um, on a daily basis that, you know, at the end of the year, it captures, it, it captures everything that you've done, but this is not something that just, ha- you know, it's a daily, I know it's a daily thing. Uh, not something that you can take on and off. Uh, it's a lot of hard work for sure. But um, another thing, uh, and this is just a reflection from myself is that last, I want to say last week, global strike had this, um, it's like an innovation feedback. They're trying to create an atmosphere and a movement as far as innovation and creativity. So what they did was they put airmen together in a room and they hired some civilian contractors, uh, that all they do is innovation and they explore different ways to get ideas or to get people to think about new ideas. So they put, you know, like nine airmen into one room and then they went over, um, you know, a lot of different questions. And then they did the same same thing with the NCOs and then they did the same thing with the senior NCOs. So I went into the senior NCO meeting and, again, it, it was great. All the questions that they were asking, um, it really seems like this is going to be um, taking the command into the right direction when it comes to innovation. But they asked one of the questions that they asked was what fires you up, right? Like they just wanted to see what fires somebody up. And, and each person said something. But I could think about a specific um, moment. And the things that fire, fire me up tend to, tend to relate to other people. Like, it's essentially older people that fire me up. Like, their motivation, their inspiration, they're willing to do, you know, great things and make an impact. That's the type of thing that fires me up. I had an airman. He's uh, straight out of tech school, straight out of PAC, A1C. And he was an AFTAC. And while he was an AFTAC, he applied to be the president of the Airmen's Council. Right. So I'm like, yeah. you know, and then he tells me, tells me about this, and that's the type of thing that fires me up. It's just seeing people, you know, wanting to to be better and to make an impact and to be involved and everything like that. So uh, that's also my selfish reason (laughs) Um, as to why we're doing this. So, um, so So we're here today with Staff Sergeant. Um, Oliver Venegas and you know I'll just go through some of the achievements because and this is just some of the short list that actually it's actually um, on your biography but so you were the 25th Air Force or he was the 25th Air Force outstanding probably were of the year for 2018 and also the command Outstanding Paralegal Airmen of the Year, Uh, so for Air Combat Command, for 2018. And then you went went ahead and did it again. (laughs) In 2019, you were the MASHCOM, obviously MASHCOM, numbered Air Force, and Air Force um, Outstanding Paralegal Airmen of the Year. So that is definitely impressive. And then you went to ALS at Alfred Air Force Base. yes. sir. And you walked out of there as the John L. Levito honor graduate as well. Um, so in other words, and, and you have some other things in your 1206 too. This is just, you know, the surface. But you've definitely, be, definitely been doing a lot of great things um, for our Air Force, doing a lot of great things for our career field, and representing our career field well. Uh, you know, going into PME and making that type of a difference. So um, that's the introduction, but you can, if you want to go ahead and just tell us a little bit before we go into in-depth with uh, Sar- Sergeant Venegas. Uh,
0: yes, sir. Uh, my name is Staff Sergeant Oliver Venegas. I'm currently stationed at Offutt Air Force Base at the base legal office. I just transitioned into the general law section because in uh, the later part of July, I'll be pca to be the SVP here so i'm very excited for that move uh something i've been wanting since i've been in the career field and i've learned more about the aflo positions that are available so that's a little bit about me and what i do
1: okay awesome well thank you for that and now we're gonna go a little bit more in depth And just get to know, you know, who you are and how you got to this, uh, to where you are right now. So let's start with, uh, with a little bit of background. So let's start with where, where are you from originally?
0: So originally I was, uh, born in the Philippines, uh, moved to California, Fairfield, California, specifically when I was around four to save the long story. I usually just tell people Fairfield, California is my home of record because it is, um, so I was born in a city, uh, Das Marinhas, Cavite. Uh, it's in uh, the middle part of the Philippines, if i remember remembering correctly. Um, and then I moved here when I was four.
1: Okay, good. And what uh, what do you remember about, you know, you obviously you were four years old, but do you remember anything from your experience in the Philippines?
0: So I remember
1: quite a bit more than uh, one would
0: expect. Uh, The memories are very vague now, since I'm a little bit older, Um, but I remember certain things I do with my grandpa because I was basically attached to his hip. I went everywhere with him. So I remember, you know, sitting outside while he was drinking his coffee and just like watching the street. Um, That's a memory that's deep, like deeply rooted. I haven't forgotten that one and I'm glad I haven't. Um, and just a couple like family gatherings, that type of stuff. Uh, Just being around my grandparents and my mom all the time. Okay, all right,
1: great. And so how was your transition, would you say, um, moving from the Philippines to the United United (laughs) States and to California? Yes, so it was was a big transition.
0: I didn't, I, I mean, I was four, so I didn't really process what was going on. I, it wasn't like I had to say bye to any friends, or if I did, I don't remember just having to do that. So it was a little bit easier for me just because I was excited to, you know, be with my aunt again because the main reason we moved was for my mom. My grandpa and I had to help take care of my uh, aunt's daughter, so my little cousin, Angela. Um, that was the primary reason we moved. Um, and my mom and my grandpa were U.S. citizens. I was the only one that was not just because... Uh, my mom was born in Hawaii since my grandpa served in the Navy. So um, after he retired, they moved to the Philippines, which is where I was born. So it was a interesting transition, but one that I really didn't have to deal with in terms of it being hard right away. But as I grew older, you know, when I was in school, I was placed in uh, a class where they would you know help teach me some English because uh, Tagalog was my first language. It was my native language. so, Uh, I had to learn English alongside of learning with everyone else at the same time. So that was a little bit rough and um, there's definitely some bullying that went on along with that, you know, uh, but after uh, elementary school, it got a little bit better. So the transition itself was not too bad.
1: Okay. Yeah. And so along those same lines, essentially, how was it growing up in, in California? Um, it was great. The only thing I
0: ba- I really don't miss about California is the cost of living compared to Nebraska. It's very much so uh, day and night. You know, gas here is all- not even two dollars yet, but uh, in California I would be paying almost four dollars for a gallon of gas each. So uh, it was. It was good, uh, I really enjoyed it. We were in a nice part, we're from Northern California, so about 30 minutes from Napa and hour from San Francisco. So it was a really nice mix of suburb and city, which I like, I like the mix of both. Um, and it was nice growing up in that part of California specifically because since my aunt had already been there, we had a lot of family and friends that we could, you know, talk to and hang out with. So it was it was a nice, um, nice growing up there.
1: All right, great. Um, So talk to me a little bit about your family. How was, you know, your relationship with your family growing up? How was essentially your upbringing? Yep, so uh, I was raised
0: uh, just by my mom. She raised me as a single mom. Uh, Props to her for being able to do that because it was extremely hard, I'm sure. But uh, I always had my aunt and my uncle there as well. Uh, Again, we moved to California to be with them. So I had a lot of people around me as a, like, parental unit, so I really didn't notice that my dad was not there. Um, so, yeah, and my grandpa I was extremely close with as well. So um, my family is, like, everything to me. I'm very close with them. We, I try and call them every now and then as much as I can. Um, and I know they always look forward to me going home. They always ask me when I'm coming home. So um, my relationship with my family is really good.
1: Right. Awesome. So let's keep moving. uh, Let's keep moving forward. Um, So what can you tell me about your middle school and high school years and that experience? Uh, What was it like? uh, What what were you like back then?
0: Oh, um, so middle school, I really just I, I went through the motions of middle school. I was, you know, I was always decent at school, but I didn't really try in middle school. I was just You know, I would do my homework, I would study a little bit and I would get decent grades because, you know, middle school, if you do the work, you're more than likely to get a good grade anyway. So that was that. Um, I was in band from middle school and high school. I started actually in elementary. So I was in band basically all my life. I was a band kid. Um, In high school, I started doing sports. So uh, that took up a lot of my time. So I was either in uh, an out of school activity or I was in school or in the library learning. So um, I was always busy. <laughs>
1: good, good. So here's the question, right? What did you want to be uh, as a kid? So what, what did you want to, what were you gunning for essentially? As a
0: kid, I was gunning to be anything in the medical field specifically. Uh, it always bounced around. Uh, At one point, I wanted to be a pharmacist, uh, a nurse. And then in the end, I was set on being a uh, pediatrician or a pediatric nurse uh, because I like working with kids. Um, I have two little cousins who I basically consider my little sisters. So um, growing up, I would always take care of them. And that kind of sparked something in me. And medical was always something i have been interested in. So that is what I wanted to be when I was growing up
1: interesting interesting yeah uh and then did you so when you graduated high school what happened did you go to did you go to college or what were you doing as soon as you graduated high school so as soon as i graduated high school i hadn't even
0: talked to a recruiter for the air force yet but it was in the i knew that's what i wanted to do um so i took some time to just myself i got a job i worked uh, at a local grocery store making sandwiches and working in the deli. So cutting up meat and cheese. So that's what I did for about, uh, a month or so. And then that's when I started talking to a recruiter. And then, um, a couple more months later, I was shipped off to basic training.
1: All right. So what triggered that decision to join the air force? Yeah. So, um, I come from a pretty heavy military family.
0: Uh, my aunt and uncle met in the air force, uh, my grandpa again re- he retired from the U.S. Navy so uh, I was always kind of around it and a lot of our family and friends are also in the Air Force or were in the Air Force that's how my aunt and uncle built up such a big community in California because they were stationed at Travis um, so it was always around me and uh, my family always pitched the idea they're always saying hey you know you should join the Air Force you know the Air Force is great like always throwing hints my way since about like I think middle school, that's like the first like real sit-down conversation we had about it. But it wasn't until my senior year of high school when college applications were starting and I realized how much work it took to apply to college, but then also how much it actually was to apply. And I didn't want to put any, you know, my mom provided for me very well. You know, she worked very hard to keep me in uh, band, my sports and everything like that. But I didn't want to put any financial burden on her besides like, you know, high school. So I looked into it a little bit more, and uh, I just found myself on an Air Force website one day, and I started scrolling through, and that's, that's that. All
1: right, good. Okay, all right, so that's essentially what triggered it. Mainly, um, you have been essentially in the back of your mind for a, a big part of your life, but then uh, senior year in, in high school is when it actually kicked in. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then, so, how did that process of joining the Air Force go? So you go to the recruiter, um, you open, I mean, I assume that you enter Open General, right? Yes, I did.
0: Um, again, not being a U.S. citizen, my job options were very limited. So it was uh, an option of applying for my U.S. citizenship which my mom and I had always talked about, but after I figured out I wanted to join the military, I was like, no, you know, I join the military that I'll get it then. You don't have to worry about it. Um, so I did go in Open General just to broaden my horizons in terms of what jobs I could get. But already when I was looking into the Air Force, I started researching jobs. And most of the jobs that I wanted were in the medical field because that's what I was originally aiming to do. Um, or anything, uh, admin, I wanted something where I was you know, actively thinking. So anywhere between medical or a personnelist type job is what I wanted. So Open General is my best bet.
1: All right. And how did paralegal surface to the top of the list of your
0: jobs? Yes, sir. So uh, in basic training, I wrote down my jobs. And initially, uh, I was under the impression that I was not eligible to be a paralegal at the time. Um, I must have been looking at some outdated information because it was still saying that you had to retrain in the career field. Um, But obviously, that's not true anymore. So I saw it on my list. in basic training and I remember talking with my aunt, uncle, my mom before I shipped uh, talking about which jobs I should put down because they, you know, I trust their, what they think would fit me best in terms of my personality, my work ethics, stuff like that. So I put like almost all medical jobs and then I put paralegal and then I I think I put like a personnelist job at the bottom. Um, I ended up, I guess, booking an aerospace medical contract but I got pulled into a different room and they said, hey, you more than likely will get this job. However, you have paralegal on your list. They're interviewing for people for that. Would you like to? And something in the back of my head was telling me, you "No, know, I should do it. So I, I said
1: yes, and I'm here. <laughs> All right. Well, interesting. So is it? do you think it's still true to this day that had you declined that interview, you'd be in the, in the medical career field? I,
0: I would think so. A lot of the people that put down medical jobs in my um, graduating like class, they got a lot of medical jobs. I know one person who ended up not wanting to be a paralegal after interviewing. They said, "You know, this wasn't a fit for them." Um, they ended up becoming a dental technician, so and that was the job he wanted. So I'd say maybe, but again, I'm I'm kind of glad it worked out this way because. Uh, I've since figured out that medical is not for me.
1: <laughs> okay. All right, we'll get into that um, as to who you came to that conclusion. Um, so what was your first impression then of the of the career field?
0: Do you want me to get into talking about like when I first arrived to tech school or like when I first arrived to like base is in terms of operational impact?
1: So let's let's separate both, right? So let's do your first impression when you were at PAC and then your first impression when you actually went operation.
0: Okay, Uh, so first impression
1: at PAC, I was
0: extremely nervous uh, to be picked up by the MTL because, uh, again, when I was looking into the Air Force, I was doing so much research in terms of medical jobs. So I was like, oh, you know, we're going to this tech school and then I can pick my phase two. I can pick Travis and be back at home. So I had no idea what was going to go on so I was extremely nervous expecting the MTL to just you know it was like basic again where we would get you know yelled at not pushed around but like told what to do in a very stern way but it was the complete opposite uh I, Master Sergeant Ray is my uh, MTL he was extremely accommodating um so first impressions were great uh I knew a couple people already in my class since they were uh in the same uh Airman's Week flight as me so that was nice. First impressions walking into the jag school for the first time, I was just in shock because I did not expect that type of learning environment. Um, I was you know I was stressed out over the amount of information that was thrown at us because uh, not only were we learning how to be in the Air Force and you know how to transition from basic training to an oper- or to a technical training mindset, uh, we were around other people of different ranks because you know mainly paralegals that come in are retrainers. So I, had, I was sitting next to the staff sergeant, there was master sergeants in the class. It was intimidating at first, but then I quickly got over that. The main struggle for me was learning how to study because there was just so much information. So the impact the career field had on me at that point is just like, I asked myself if that's really something I could do. Um, so it was overwhelming, but I mean, uh, our instructors were great and got us to graduate. So that was my first impression of the JAG Corps, just a lot, a lot of information.
1: That's right. Yeah, there's definitely a wow factor to the Jack mm-hmm. School, right? Like you walk in there and it kind of hits you, like, "Whoa, this is uh, this is big time mm-hmm. <laughs> in this uh, in the Air Force Jack School." anyway. Absolutely. Um, and Master Sergeant Ray, uh, You know, he uh, we, he and I went to seven level together, so that's pretty cool. It really smart guy. Mm-hmm. So when you're in that's pretty cool um all right so that is your first impression when you go to pack now talk to me about your first impression in the operational force.
0: in the operational air force i had no idea what i was doing i mean i knew like everything i learned in tech school but like i knew it on like uh, the concept level where i knew i knew what article 15s were i knew what kind of what military justice was because you know the Pack is te- supposed to teach us the fundamentals of what we need to be a paralegal, so, and then most of the training happens on the job, so the OJT part. Um, so I was very, I was again just kind of like overwhelmed in terms of not knowing anything. Uh, I was just again just shocked with the amount of information and everyone talking. Like, I remember attending the justice meeting on my first day, and everyone was just, you know. You know, they welcomed me, and then they were went about business, and my sponsor just told me, you know, like, hey, listen, you know, because I started in military justice, um, but it just sounded like a foreign language to me at that point, uh, not knowing anything they were talking about. So I was just writing stuff down, trying to, like, you know, remember what I learned in tech school. So that was my first impression. It was just, again, just, wow, how, are, how do they know so much? And I'm really, I guess, also, the first impression is, like, wow, I'm really... In a legal career field, I'm actually going to be doing like cases with an attorney doing impactful work. So that was my first impression, operational wise.
1: Hmm. Gotcha. And when was that? When did you get to, uh, to Offit? I got to Offit in uh,
0: July of 2016. So um, it'll be four years this month.
1: Nice. I forgot to say, but do you like
0: it? I do it's definitely grown on me at first I hadn't I knew Nebraska was a state I didn't know where it was so I had to pull up a map when we got our orders in tech school. Um, it's a very big change just because from me from Northern California where it doesn't snow to here where it does snow um, a lot uh, that was something I had to get used to very quickly especially driving the snow I've, I've seen snow before. But that was when I was a kid, so I never had to deal with it in terms of like shoveling it, driving in it. So uh, the weather was a big change and also just kind of the environment itself. Nebraska is very flat um, and I'm used to being around mountains and around water. And there's not really either of those in Nebraska, but uh, it's a really good area. Um, The retiree population here is very big. Um, It's a very military friendly community, so I like it a lot.
1: Good. Yeah, I keep hearing uh, I keep hearing great things about Alpha, and more and more people want to want to go there. So good. Yeah. So when do you feel like you started to hit your stride as a paralegal and as a, you know, And, and I must say as a superior performer?
0: Yes, sir. Uh, it definitely took some prying because at first, you know, I was very, very shy. I didn't know my footing really in the legal office. I was brand new, straight out of Texas. I didn't know how to talk to people without thinking, oh, I'm in basic training, i will in technical training. So, it took prying. Um, I remember specifically sitting down with uh, one of my old supervisors, uh, Tech Sergeant Stahura, she's the ADC here at Coffett. Um And uh, she was going over CDCs with me one day and she just kind of noticed that my workflow for the week had been kind of off. So she asked me what was going on and I, you know I kind of talked to her about what was going on in terms of like you know I don't feel like I'm really doing much because I don't know what I'm doing yet and then that's when she like kind of uh, turned on a, a light switch is like hey you are doing stuff and kind of pointed me in the right direction in terms of like where to start looking for resources instead of you know just drafting article teams because I started off in adverse actions um, so I told her you know I feel like I'm just going with emotions there as opposed to actually knowing what this does or what, like, I want to be as smart as you. I want to know about the process. So she sat down with me, had that conversation, and she told me, you know, if I was willing to learn that she pointed me in the right direction. So that's what started it for me was her taking the time to, you know, talk to me and find out, like, what I needed to get there.
1: And, and how do you feel like you got to that place right like that you understood and you valued you know the work that we were doing instead of just going through the motions like how do you think that you got to that point other than just the discussions that you had with
0: um i think it was just realizing like what an article 15 i because that was the main experience i had what that actually did because you know learning in tech school we learned the ucmj how to draft specifications um, stuff like that, but realizing, oh, an Article 15 is a non-judicial punishment. It actually does have impact on that member's career and it's severe impact. Learning more about the processes or processes, excuse me. Um, so it was when I started reading more into what I actually did, reading more into AFI's, ECMJ, um, looking into the checklist more. Um, it was when I took the time to sit myself down and read and learn because that's one of the things I'm super passionate about. I love learning. So once I finally started understanding what I was doing, that was helpful. I just needed someone to tell
1: me where to start. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah, I know there's one thing because before, um, I would say prior to 2016, 2015, um, I I don't want to say that we were going through the emotions, but a lot of the work just seemed like, you know, like it was stuck to our to our place, to, to our office, like we didn't really see the impact that it had, not just within the wing, but within the NAF, within the MeshCon, within the service, within the mission that we have. Um, so I really think that the, um, the flight plan, the JAG flight, flight plan that we have, that's such an excellent product because it definitely shows us what we're working towards, how our missions, how what we do connects to the overall mission. And I Absolutely. think that's, yeah, I think that's important for, for, you you know, people coming new to see that the bigger picture. Absolutely. Okay. So you essentially get it, right? You, you start hitting your strides. You understand what it is that you're doing. You start to find value in what it is that you're doing instead of just going through the motions. And now what essentially motivates you or it's motivating you to you know, to continue to pursue excellence in everything that you do.
0: I mean, I have to bring it back to my mom, just because you know, as I was growing up, it was you know, she. Every parent wants their child to do well in school, but uh, she, you know, always told me, "Hey, do your best. If you're doing your best, then you're doing great. Like that's all I want from you. If you fall short on a test, you don't get a good grade, then that's okay. So it was really starting from there." Um, I'd always, you know, I've been given, I'm I'm given something, I do my best at it. Um, So that kind of trickled all the way from my starting in my childhood. Um, And then to now, just, I mean, see, it's just in me personally, again, if I'm given something, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability. Uh, So it's really, I think it's a personality thing for me, because if I put out something that I'm not proud of, it, it does a lot worse to me than, you know, asking for an extension or something like that. So I think it's just a personal thing.
1: Good. And then so 2018, you're essentially firing at all cylinders, right? Like on all cylinders, essentially, right? Because you're definitely um, doing a lot of things that are getting the attention of, of your supervision. And you make it, Obviously, as the outstanding paralegal, uh, airman paralegal, um, for the Mashcom, and then 2019, we go to last year and definitely uh, finally break through. Um, what are some of the things that you're most uh, most passionate about, or your favorite thing uh, in the paralegal career? In the paralegal career
0: field, I like how um, how broad our scope is. We do so much more than what people see on the outside. You know, so much more goes into a court martial than you know us getting to court and taking you know almost a couple months to a year, years even to get to a full blown court martial. So I think the quality of work that we do. Uh, The people that I've worked with also are one of the best things I've taken away from the JAG Corps. I've come across so many uh, great attorneys and paralegals that have mentored me along the way. I definitely did not get anywhere near where I am without them because had it not been for these people that I worked with at Offit, I I don't know where I'd be, honestly. Um, So that's what I like a lot about the career field. There's a lot of mentorship as well uh, and collaboration. So just, I guess, the amount of work that we do and the people that are in the JAG Corps.
1: Good. No, yeah, absolutely. We have, we definitely have a lot of great, a lot of great people in the JAG Corps, a lot of um, high performers. And, you know, just with the short episodes that we've done for the podcast so far, we've definitely highlighted a few of them um, already. But there's, yeah, there are so many. And if you are a high performer in the paralegal career field, (laughs) expect to uh expect a phone call from me or an im for me which is how i reached out to sergeant (laughs) de vegas um but i I definitely want to hear your story i want to hear from you um so talk to me about your als experience how was that like um yeah tell me about that
0: um i was extremely excited to go to als um again learning is something i'm super passionate about Um, So I was excited to go back into a classroom environment because I've been in college, but I've been in online college, so I haven't been in a classroom environment since uh, tech school at that point. So um, I was extremely excited. Uh, I was really happy to be at ALS because I was excited to learn more about, you know, leadership skills and, like, more about the Air Force and kind of, you know, the basic foundational stuff that they teach you in ALS Um, and just talking with friends that have already gone, Knowing stuff that they know in terms of like, oh, you know, like you learn this, you don't march anymore, that type of stuff. I was just super excited. So, uh, my ALS experience was great. It was nice to talk to people uh, who were in different career fields as well. That was super refreshing just to hear different perspectives. And um, they also were super interested to hear as much as they could from me um, in terms of what actually happens behind certain things, specifically when we got to the Portion of supervisory skills when you know when the paperwork's involved or the military justice process stuff like that. So um, it was a really enjoyable experience for me. Okay.
1: Now, did you go to the old, the new curriculum?
0: I did. So I did not have to do any of the uh, the uh, what is it called the test at the end. Um, We did essentially a capstone. So uh, we were given a couple scenario questions and. X amount of space to write in or respond. So um, that was the curriculum I was under.
1: No, I definitely, I like the new curriculum uh, better than the Mm -hmm. old curriculum, just because uh, there's a lot more opportunity to have open and honest discussions without having to worry about whether this is on the test or it's not on the test. Mm -hmm. Because I think that was the main problem with the old curriculum. It's like, yeah, we're kind of listening to what I was trying to say as the instructor, but... They were mainly, yeah. Sir, is this gonna be on the test? And I, I, I don't know. Everything's gonna be on the test, right? So I can't. But they were more worried about that. It, I, I didn't feel like the conversations were as organic as they became after that, right? Because there's not that pressure, of absolutely um, of the test and the capstone. I mean, the capstone is. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to give the answers to <laughs> <Yeah>. the capstone, <laughs> but not. but um, but it's low threat. You know, right? it's really low threat and. Really, it's just yeah. you know, based on your own understanding of the concepts. But um, yeah, there's definitely missing the element of you know knowing how to draft an LOC or knowing yes, how to draft is. yeah uh, bullet writing. Right? I think that's the biggest complaint that people Absolutely. had when they came over. It's like, oh, we don't learn how to do bullet writing. But really, in full disclosure, people weren't getting any better um, from <laughs> the old. Career, you know, getting because it was just one day and not just a full day, it was just like one or two hours that we practiced bullet writing and then that was it. So they weren't leaving there with, you know, being that much better at bullet writing anyways. They kind of knew what it was and a basic understanding that that's it. So I don't think they missed it, but I think this honest discussions about how to be a leader, how to be a supervisor, it's much better. And I also understand the challenge that it is to stand out. I mean, I just stand out, but to have the buying from your peers, you know yes. what I mean? Um, it's not always hard. So there's a lot of things that you have to do, um, and it has to be genuine. Like, people that are fake do not make, you know what I mean? Like, are not yes, going to exit. Absolutely. Right. They're not going to exit <laughs> ALS with being the Levito Award winner, um, it's very different now than it used to be before. It's really based on a peer, and that says a lot about what the people that you were with thought about you. Um, in that you ended up being the John Levito Award winner, right? And I'm I'm just proud of that. Um, to see a paralegal going in there and uh, and coming out number one in the class, so. Again, I know this happened last year, but that is really impressive.
0: Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Uh, I definitely agree with what you said. I loved the new curriculum because, you know, as soon as they mentioned, hey, you guys are in the new curriculum, there's no test, um, I, you know, it was a kind of a relief because then I was able, like you said, to pay more attention to what are we learning and how can we discuss things out, get different viewpoints. Because, again, like you said, if we were just paying attention to the concepts, trying to learn them for an exam, those organic conversations or those questions wouldn't have come about as much.
1: Absolutely. So people just learn a little bit about the new curriculum <laughs> in ALS. And I think that it's, it's, it is definitely much better, but it does puts the onus on supervisors, right, in order to teach and mentor their airmen on how to do bullet writing and how to do all these other, like an ACA. And initial feedback, midterm feedback. That's not something that it's happening at ALS anymore, but it's definitely the responsibility of the supervisor to make sure that they know how to do that. And let's see. I'm going over, I have your total six, right? And there's some highlights. There are some highlights in here from last year. Um, First off, I mean, this is, a lot of hard hitting stuff, right? This is a lot of great things, and again, um, well, this definitely a well deserved, um, you know, outstanding airman of the year, outstanding paralegal airman of the year award. Because I mean, this is a lot of, I can to tell, this is a lot, a lot of uh, hard work, um, and just a lot of hours that you have to devote to a lot of these different things, but. What was this, Uh, the iPads? So how did you utilize the iPads?
0: Yes, so in my office, you know, like many offices, we've got our meetings, we've got our reports to go over them, and, you know, printing them off weekly was just, it was so much time. Uh, the paper obviously costs a lot, and while the printers are on contract, it's just, it's wasteful. Um, so... Uh, Our wing had an innovation call for uh, innovation funds, essentially. There was a pot, there was a certain amount of money there that the wing commander had to allocate to different units um, for different types of funding for an innovation project. And if I'm remembering correctly, that's how we got approved for it. But, um, you know, some talk in the office, it was not my idea, but... um, is definitely credit to everyone in the section at that point talking over, like, you know, well, uh, we could try, like, electronic documents and, you know, first thinking, like, well, how are we even going to make that happen? But instead of that, you know, we pitched the idea, we got approved for the funding, um, and it was the execution part that was on me and a couple airmen to figure out how, because I was also the GPC holder, so it was how to get those, uh, you know, iPads, how to use them properly, making sure that we're in compliance with COM, because, if we need to register them with COM, that type of stuff so uh, that's how that idea came about just you know, discussion throughout the office of how to uh, eliminate the waste of paper
1: nice you know, that's that's one thing that i'm i'm big on is uh trying to do more things electronically right, right? instead of doing the paper thing especially with the rats. Um, absolutely i could talk about rats all day but yeah. we've got these mountains of rots in our offices taking all this space and and we have so much room in our hard drives which' just like well I, you know you could put me in this hard drive and uh won't we'll take that much space but instead we're just doing that um yeah no there's a lot of a, a lot of other good stuff um in here as well a lot of volunteer um and and um and how do you do to get involved in the community like do you just look for emails do you go out there what type of things are you doing in order to to be involved in the community
0: yes so that portion uh specifically for the volunteerism i look for things that interest me the most like when i was uh in a1c trying to go for senior uh, below the zone or even just like when i first got to the base to meet new people is trying to find stuff that i was passionate about because i didn't want to just volunteer for hours i didn't want to just volunteer for i wanted to volunteer for something i enjoyed so it didn't feel like work um so the first thing I found was uh, off it against drunk driving. So uh, we were standby airmen. Uh, I was the dispatcher in terms of like getting people to and from, uh, you know, a bar downtown to their house safely. Um, So I found that out through base. Uh, I also volunteer at the uh, University of Nebraska Medical Center. So I found that one through just looking online because at that point I was still interested in being in medical. Um, And there was an option for uh, me to volunteer in the pediatric ward, which is exactly what I wanted, you know, medicine and around kids. So um, I volunteered for that, and that's how I figured out slowly that I am not meant to be in the medical career field whatsoever. It's not for me. Um, So that is how I found those volunteer opportunities.
1: Okay, good. Yeah, I know sometimes people get stuck and they're waiting for an email. Mm -hmm. Uh, But if you're waiting for an email... Probably don't really want to volunteer. <clears throat> so you gotta get. I, at times you just gotta get out there. You just gotta make phone calls. And like you said, it's definitely um, better if it's something that you're passionate about. But at times you won't really know whether you're passionate about something until you go out and explore and see, see whether or not that's something that you're into, right? Um, and one of the best things is that the people that you meet and the connections that you make in those events the networking is just and it, it makes you a better paralegal uh because you can get answers quicker right you can just you know pick up the phone and make a phone call and hey this person I know you from uh mm-hmm. you know the the drunk driving events or I know you from you know the airman's council or five six or whatever the case may be and now you're being more effective and you can do more for your people. Absolutely. So okay so Sergeant Vinegas what's in the future, what does the, what's the future hold for Sergeant Vinegas where, where do you see yourself here in the not-so-distant future?
0: Not-so-distant future across the street in the Special Victims Council office, um, but uh, in terms of less on the surface, I am um, working still towards my bachelor's degree. I'm almost done with it. It should be done here in the next year, so... Again, school is something I'm super passionate about, so finding a master's program, jumping into that, and I'm really interested. Uh, my main goal since I've been in the Air Force is uh, to apply and be accepted to be an officer, so um, hopefully one day uh, going through OTS and uh, being a commissioned officer somewhere. All
1: right. That's awesome. Yeah, no, and best of luck, and I, I don't see why uh, or any reason why you wouldn't be able to, to achieve those goals. Um, so far, what you've done for the Air Force and what you've done for the Paralegal career field definitely speaks volumes. Um, and I am very glad that you know you've been recognized for the hard work that you uh, that you've been doing. Um, and again, just keep uh, keep crushing it. And this is you know this is awesome. This is this has been great being able to get to know you a little bit more, and hopefully, you know other people in the career show so it's been an opportunity to to know who sergeant vinagas is and and uh you know the, our Airman of the year our outstanding airman of the year for 2019 so um yeah. thanks for agreeing to do this
0: of course sir thank you for having me on such a big platform i saw the Podcast initially, and podcasts are something I recently gotten into, so I'm like, wow, something that I can listen to in the background that's productive, and I'll learn something, that, not just for my personal growth, but like, you know, in terms of the Air Force, and not only, you know, learning how to lead, but also the job, so thank you so much for having me. Absolutely,
1: no, 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 thank you, and thank you for the support, um, again, for being here, and for being such an outstanding airman and NCO. In our yes, uh, in our legal field so uh, if you need, need any ever need anything don't be afraid to reach out yes sir we'll do but thanks again um, that's all uh, that's all we have for today okay I hope you have a great weekend thank you you too stay
0: safe <laughs> with all the fireworks going on I don't know how it is in uh, at whiteman but here off they're crazy about their fireworks office
1: yeah no they are about to do some crazy things with fireworks and But, you know, there's also COVID-19 going on. How is it over there? It's, things are opening up and there's
0: like, you know, they still got the social distancing markers, which I really question if they're actually six feet. Again, math is definitely not my expertise or metric system at all, but like way too close. And some people still aren't wearing masks, but on base, it's really good. You know, we're required to wear masks in certain facilities. Um, It's slowly opening up. So things are looking good over here.
1: Well, stay safe. Enjoy your weekend. Do you guys have a four-day as well? We do, sir. Okay, awesome. Yeah, that wasn't the case when I left. In 2013, when I left to go overseas, we weren't doing no four days. It was definitely three days. This just started at some point while I was going overseas because PACA, I think they've always done four days.
0: I was shocked to see a four-day, but then again, I sometimes forget what, you know, what down days we do have, so when they come about, it's just a nice surprise, so,
1: yeah. That's right. All right, sorry, Rodriguez, thanks again.